All right, we look good to go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the evening. It is January 25th, I believe, 2017, the USV Brown Bag podcast. Um, tonight we've got Jace McCarty talking with us about what's new in vSAN 6.5, uh, relatively new, uh, quite new. So Jace will give us all the good stuff. Uh, do you want to give us a little preview of something we might hear about? Uh, we're going to cover just a, you know, also the gambit of, of the new features, if you will, but uh, at the same time, I've got some uh, little bit of extra that I'm going to show kind of enabling or using some of those new features. So um, uh, basically another live demo like I did the last time, and, and hopefully my internet doesn't fail because I'm not on a regular phone, I'm over a VoIP phone, and everything is not where I am. So... Hopefully we'll have uh, have some success, and I won't lose a connection tonight. I hope I hope you said that late enough so the demo the demo gods can't uh, can't get to us in time when everything goes well. So, <laughs> well, if I'm if I'm gone, I'm gone for good because because uh, I mean I'm I'm not on a landline. I mean I'm I'm everything is all over the net, and I'll be honest with you, it's been flaky the past two days. So. So fingers crossed. All right. Um, just some uh, opening notes. Of course, you know how to find us already if you're here. Um, you can get in on the conversation on Twitter with our various handles, Twitter hashtag TheBrownBag. I'll be watching that tonight. And um, Brett's with us too. Say hi, Brett. G'day, everyone. <laughs> Brett. He's, he's joining us doing some co-hosting. Um, so... Um, We'll be watching Twitter. If you have any questions, shoot them out the Q&A window, and we'll interject as appropriate and get those answered for you. Uh, if we can't answer them right away, we'll try to do a follow-up and get them answered. Um, some of our various shows around the world, on the right-hand side, I won't read those to you. I'm Anthony, along with Brett, and that's all I got for opening notes. So, Jace, if you're ready, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right, I'm gonna shut down my Twitter client because it's a sl it's slowing me down. It's like give me one sec. Okay, so um, and I am not the most familiar with GoToWebinar, so can you guys see my screen? Oh, there we go. Show my screen. All right. There you go. We Rock can. and roll. So hopefully this little guy will go away at some point, but whatever. Anyway. All right. So let's. Which let's we get can't. Started. We can't see it if you're. If you're seeing anything we can't see, it hides the GoToWebinar stuff pretty easily. So I just oh, have good. a big, oh. awesome VMware wallpaper and a uh, bunch of shortcuts on the left side. You're good to go. All right, cool, cool. I'm surprised. Uh, actually, quite often when I when I present, folks will ask about what's in there, right? Tony's lasagna recipe. That's, uh, that's where I keep all my wife's recipes, right? <laughs> Should we add those to the show notes? I was just going to say, yeah, you can zip those up and zip those up and share them, and we'll uh, we'll put them in with the show notes. Oh, no, what you ought to you ought to see is my father-in-law's jambalaya uh, recipe. Oh man! All right, but I've, I've delayed long enough. We had a little bit of trouble getting on uh, audio-wise, or I did specifically. So I'm going to dive right in, and I've got about 80 slides. No, I've actually got about nine slides total. Um, I pulled all the marketing slides out of this particular deck, 
And so really it's just a, a very small subset to the meat of the conversation, right? Because uh, I don't know what time everybody's uh, joining from, but it's it's almost 8 p.m. here, 20 minutes till 8 here in the central time zone. And I don't want to waste anybody's time. So uh, if you're not familiar with, with vSAN, this is just a quick little quick little slide specific to uh, kind of where we came from, some of the things that we have added over the different releases. If you'll notice the March 2015, September 2015, March 2016, uh, and essentially November, um, I don't think the slide on the next the next slide shows it, but but uh, November 2016 is when we released 6.5. All right, now we did introduce all flash uh, back in the 6.0 days, larger clusters. We got twice the speed of hybrid, so on and so forth. Stretch clusters in 6.1 five-minute RPO with vSphere replication uh, from vSAN to vSAN. And then something that I'm going to dive a little bit more deeply on tonight is two-node for robo, right? And what I mean by two-node for robo is is we've kind of changed the way that we can deploy it, if you will, right? So I'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, 6.2, we did introduce deduplication and compression for, for all flash architectures as well as erasure coding. Another little feature called quality of service, which you could almost kind of compare to storage I.O. control. It's not really the same thing. It's more of an IOPS limit type feature. But the big things, the huge things that we added in 6.5, and they look kind of light, right? iSCSI access, two-node direct connect, and management. I'm kind of going to dive more deeply into two-node direct connect and management than iSCSI access. But um, those are kind of the biggest things that we that we added in this release. Uh, I will say that if you are familiar with the currently private beta that's going on, uh, you know we've got quite a few things in store if they happen to make it to, uh, you know, uh, to a future release. So with that being said, and this is one I really, really want to focus on a lot, is two-node direct connect. Uh, important thing to keep in mind when it comes to two-node direct connect, and you guys actually saw this in the last uh, vBound bag that I was on. Uh, if you, when I showed my cluster, you guys really didn't see what was going on kind of behind the scenes. But uh, I'm not using a switch. Like if you notice these two little red connections here, uh, I'm not using a switch for communication between the nodes as far as my vSAN and my vMotion traffic. Okay, uh, this is actually pretty significant, especially when it comes to uh, I think of, of you know retail customers. I think of customers that have got just like a little corner, you know, office in a remote you know, location that they don't need a whole lot of hardware. They're running you know between two and ten VMs, maybe twenty-five, whatnot, that type of thing. This is a really, really cost-effective way of being able to leverage vSAN with two nodes and still getting the full capability, the full feet, you know, the full speed of a ten gig connection between the two nodes. Okay, now uh, the important thing to keep in mind is, and I'll, I'll demonstrate this here in a bit, but the important thing to keep in mind when it comes to two-node direct connect is what we're actually doing is, is we've got traffic tagged for our witness coming over one of these, one of these, uh, or, or tagged, traffic tagged for our vSAN traffic across one of these two connections, or both, depending on, on whether we use uh, teaming or not. But we're actually rather than requiring this particular network to talk out to the witness, we're actually going out an extra or a different VM kernel interface, right? Uh, so the important thing, to, thing there is, 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 you know, you think of some of the large retailers, 
you know, um, and I'm not, not going to say anyone in particular, right? But let's say a, a large shoe store or a large, you know, whatever store, uh, and they decide they want to deploy two node as opposed to deploying three node or four node or whatnot. They don't necessarily have to have a 10 gig switch anymore, right? Uh, which is huge, especially when you get to the point where you've got, you know, let's say, 10 locations, you know, 100 locations, a thousand locations, or even you know, thousands of locations, right? I mean, if we were to look at some of the cheapest 10 gig switches out there, we're still in between, you know, not even enterprise grade for that matter. We're still in several thousand dollars at each site just for that part of the infrastructure. So this is one of the things that's very uh, close, near and dear to my heart specifically because um, I've been running this in my, my lab since May of last year, right? So it's a, it's a pretty solid solution and, and uh, there's not really anything special you have to do as far as, uh, you know, maintenance other than a normal DSAN. Now it is configured a little bit differently and I'll get into that on the next slide. The important thing to keep in mind is, is we did mention or we did include it as part of the release with 6.5. However, after 6.5 was released, we began supporting it in vSAN 6.2 when you're using patch uh, 3 or higher. So patch 3, patch 4, like the update that came, came out in November for vSAN 6.2 and vSphere 6.0, you can do this as well, right? Previously, before 6.5 came out, you had to have an RPQ to be supported. All right, so I ran so it on 6.2 from, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, we've just got a question here just on the latency. What's the latency allowance for the um, witness node? So the latency for the witness, it really depends on what type of workload you have. And, um, and it depends on how many components you have. But in a, in a I'll, I'll say a robo-type environment, uh, you're typically going to see uh, um, uh, the latency can be up to 500 milliseconds, right? Now, um, I've got a white paper out there. It's very easy to find. Just Google uh, vSAN stretch cluster bandwidth sizing guidance. And that's a, about a four-page document that's got all the algorithms detailed specifically to where those numbers come from. And what the, what the process is, and I don't have an animation on this slide, but, but the process of, let's say, this host fails, and I go to move the ownership of everything over to the alternate host. Let's say I have some VMs here, some VMs here. Host number one fails. Those VMs automatically re automatically restart via HA on the secondary node, and the process of those starting up that whole failover process. Oh, I lost my mouse. That whole failover process within a, a five-second time frame, we've got to be able to change the vSAN object ownership. And where that five seconds is important is it's we use a size of about uh, it's like 1138 bytes. And that 1138 bytes times every component or number of components, if you will, translates over to essentially, if you have a thousand components, you need two megabits of connectivity, right? So two megabits of connectivity with 500 milliseconds. Now, if you were to go much larger, let's say you had a very you know, dense two-node host, you know, let's say you know, two-node quad-core that type of thing, which we or two-node quad-socket that type of thing, which we typically don't really expect and you ran a lot of VMs on it, you would probably want a latency more of about 200 milliseconds as opposed to that 500. Okay. Now to set this up. Great question. I, just before, huh? sorry, I didn't mean to steam earlier, just before you get going again, I posted a link mm -hmm. in the chat to everybody. Um, I think that's the right sizing guide, the stretch cluster bandwidth sizing. 
Um, just yeah. a little over it's four this, pages. It's labeled 6.1, but I would assume it's still the same. Correct, correct. Yeah, when we released it, um, it was current for 6.1, but it is still relevant for 6.2 and 6.5. We just haven't changed the title because of the, the link, right? Okay, now let's go to the, the next slide here. And, and really the process of setting up uh, this, this two-node direct connect configuration Really, the you know, I changed this slide up a couple of days ago just for the purpose of ensuring that it's that it's noticed. The if you notice the fourth piece right there, that set designated witness, that fourth bullet point, VM kernel interface to the witness traffic type. This has to be done one of two ways. It can either be done here via command line via ESX CLI, or you can use Power CLI to do it, invoking an ESX CLI type function, right? And I'll show this in, a, in, in one of my local hosts here in, in just a moment. And we can go back and we can look and ensure that everything is, is properly set up by running the ESX CLI vSAN network list command. And then we continue through the setup just as though we were doing a, a normal two-node config. Now what I'm going to do now before I go into to iSCSI, I'm going to look at where is it? So this is my two-node configuration right here, okay? It's running a couple feet away from me. If I want to go in, I want to look and see, and I've already preloaded these guys to make it a little bit easier. I'll see that if I do an ESX CLI, vSAN network list, I'll see that I've got VMK2 with vSAN as a traffic type. And then I've got VMK0 with the witness as the traffic type. Now if I go and look at this particular node right here, and I go look at the configuration of it, first time I've logged in using this browser, sorry. If I look at it uh, here and I go to the VM kernel interfaces, come on, let's see, here we go. Now keep in mind, over here, VMK0 has witness traffic. But in the UI, okay, and, and here I'm doing, as you can see, 10 gig crossover. But in the UI, VMK0 is witness. If I look at VMK0, I only see management. I don't see anything tagged as vSAN. Now, the important thing to keep in mind as far as this goes is, is it just hasn't made it into the UI yet. Now, I will say that if you have vSAN enabled on the alternate VM kernel port, you're going to run into problems. Just plain and simple. That's all there is to it. Okay? But, like I was talking with a customer the other day, and, and they had done this, you know, tagging through the client, but they had not done this. They couldn't figure out what the problem was. They could not figure out why it wasn't working. If we could look at our cluster specifically, if I look at our cluster specifically, go into configure, and if I look at my, uh, let's say my disk management here, if I make this a little bit bigger, All right, and if you'll notice, as far as my, um, well, let me back up, let me make this a little bit wider. 
so we can see. There we go. All right, if you notice, we're all in the same partition, the same group one network partition. Okay. If I did not have this and I went and I configured the witness, then this witness component right here or this witness host right here would actually be in a different network partition. And that's one easy way to see. And you can see here, if I, if I go and look at my configuration for search clusters, I've got the witness and I've got my two fault domains. And I'm, I'm not going to go deep into, um, deep into, into uh, fault domains and stretch clusters and that type of thing, but essentially a two node is a, is a one plus one stretch cluster. Now, something that's interesting, you guys may or may not get any value out of, but this witness over here is actually running in vCloud Air. So I have a, uh, an IPsec VPN up to vCloud Air, and I'm running the witness up there, and it's been up there for probably four or five months, and I haven't had any trouble. So really, really cool stuff. Just while we're on the witness traffic type, um, we've just got a question right. here. Um, so with the witness traffic type where you flag, oh, where you enable that on the VM kernel port, uh, I've just got a question here. Is it only, is it displayed in the HTML5 client or is it either a web client that, do, that does not display that enablement there on the um, VMK? So I don't think that we're exposing that um, in the, the normal vSphere web client. I mean, I know we're not there. Uh, I don't believe the HTML5 client uh, has any vSAN functions as of yet. And then also the, the individual ESXi host client does not display that either. So really the only place that you can find that is either running an ESX CLI command or you can go and you can run a, a power CLI or you're pulling back, pulling back the NICs and, and looking for what type of traffic uh, they have tagged. So that's the only way you can see it today. Now, we have asked that that you know, be made present in, uh, in the web client going forward. I'm hoping that's gonna make it into, in, into some upcoming release. The big question is, is, is you know, what, percent of our, what percentage of our customers are going to use this? And I, I tend to think a lot are, because we've had a, a, a huge boom in the number of people that have, have uh, uh, wanted to uh, deploy two-node with Direct Connect since we uh, announced it with 6.5. We had quite a few very large customers already doing it with 6.2 with a particular hotfix until patch 3 came out. So hopefully it's going to make it into the interface. Okay. Any other questions? I don't have the chat up, so I, I can't see them. Uh, or maybe I do. There we go. All right. Uh, moving on. And I'm going to cover briefly iSCSI. I don't want to spend a lot of time on iSCSI. I will say that I don't, I don't see a lot of conversations specifically around iSCSI. Now, um, we added iSCSI support. We added iSCSI support um, only in this particular version, 6.5. It hasn't been around previously. We're only supporting today out of the box Oracle Rack, you know, with shared storage and physical workloads. Now we've had some people ask, um, you know, they've asked for, hey, I, you know, I want to be able to do this from uh, from within the guest. We're in the process of of validating that, as I understand that. Okay. Let's see, there we go. Now, we can support a, a LUN up to 62 terabytes as we see here. Important thing to keep in mind is, is all the core functionality that we've got on the back end. Uh, deduplication compression, RAID 1, you know, all the policies, the things that make 
you know, vSAN great and flexible and whatnot storage policies are present on the backend uh, device, right? Or the, the backend uh, line, if you will. Now, I don't have one set up uh, on this cluster, I don't believe, but it's pretty easy to set up. Enable, create, and monitor. Whoops. So if we go and do that right here, and we got it. Maybe I do have it enabled. I forget. Okay, no, it's it's disabled. Just edit. And I say I want to put it on. I actually have a, a port already. Uh, I think I think it's VMK one. Give me one second. Let me make sure. VMK four. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So let me get back to where I was. All right. Now, important thing to keep in mind is, and, and I, like I was working on a cluster a little bit earlier today for one of my colleagues, and uh, I noticed that their configuration was a little imbalanced. And I don't know if you guys are, are are like me when it comes to this. I was kind of like this when I was a when I was a customer, but if I would go and I would deploy, you know, whatever it was, every host was was deployed uniformly. In other words. If I had vMotion uh, set up on VMK2 on one host, it was going to be VMK2 on all the hosts. Okay, uh, That's really kind of how this interface works. You choose the, the network that you want it to be on, and it's, it's literally going to look for a VMK4, in my case, across all the hosts in the cluster. Now, this can be on two node, it can be on stretch cluster, it can also be in traditional you know, vSAN clusters with three, four, all the way up to 64 nodes. We do support CHAP and mutual CHAP, and, it, and this is where we can also pick our, uh, our default policy, if you will, right? So some of the same things that we're doing already in vSAN, but we're doing it kind of under the covers behind the scenes specific to, to iSCSI. Now, I should see it pop up here in just a moment. There we go. I don't have any targets. All right, I don't have any initiator groups either, but let's go and let's create a target. And I'll just go with the, the default IQN. Uh, I don't have any other policy, so I'll just choose the default. I'm not going to put any authentication. Um, and then I can go ahead and, as I'm setting this up, this particular target, I can go ahead and add a LUN to the target. And I can say, uh, and I'll call this, you know, LUN0. And I'll make it, I don't have a whole lot of space on this cluster, so I'll just say 10 gigs, or let's say 50 gigs. Okay. Oops. All right. There we go. Like I said, it didn't take long. Sarah Lynn's down here. Right now, it was offline, popped online. If I want to change it, I can. I want to grow it. Now, I will say, and, and uh, I'm under the impression this is going to change sometime soon, but uh, notice this LUN is online. Oh, whoops. This LUN is online, so I can't extend it. So I have to go and I have to, I have to bring it offline if I want to extend it. So uh, I know that's one of the things we're going to be adding fairly, so, fairly soon, hopefully. All right. And we'll grow it, and we'll bring it back online. Initiator groups kind of work the same. There's one little caveat I will mention. It's important to keep in mind when it comes to initiator groups. If you notice by default, 
We have it set up as any initiator. So it's important from a, if you're familiar with block storage, iSCSI specifically, you probably don't want to leave it as any initiator. Right? So you probably want to make your initiator groups where you've got, let's say, this host, that host, or the other host, and those are the only ones that have access to uh, this particular LUN, right? That type of thing. I can create, uh, I can add members here, that type of thing, right? So here we just have any initiator. So iSCSI's really important thing to keep in mind. I had a conversation with, uh, specifically around iSCSI and vSAN uh, with some, with one of our, our partner, our larger OEM partners back in uh, in November. And I'm, I'm speaking to their SEs who are virtualization focused. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of products in the storage space. They also do a little with vSAN and, and uh, you know, I, I brought up iSCSI, and they they looked at me like, oh boy, you know, you're going to try to pitch us iSCSI, and we've been doing iSCSI for years, that type of thing. And important thing to keep in mind is, is particular to this feature, uh, iSCSI right now is within vSAN is really geared just toward, I would say, low hanging fruit. You know, I've got one old server, let's say a Spark box in the corner or something like that, that um, you know needs some block storage and vSAN has the opportunity to present that. Uh, we are working on validation with some additional OSs, you know, let's say like Microsoft, for instance, uh, for you know, different types of clustering with Microsoft. Important thing to keep in mind, though, when it comes to Microsoft and clustering is they're kind of moving away from that shared storage. They're moving more to like the, the uh, always-on availability groups and, and um, uh, database availability groups, those types of things. So they're kind of getting away from this. This was kind of a, a particular feature that we added just for the purpose of, of hitting those low-hanging fruit type, uh, type requirements. So just before we right. move on, I've got um, another mm -hmm. question here from Graham. Uh, is there still no VVOL support? He's asking if there's VVOL support with vSAN. VVOL support with the iSCSI feature of vSAN? Or VVOLs with vSAN in general? Um, just I'm going to I'm gonna guess that this is Anthony. My headset died. Can you guys hear me yet? Yeah. yeah. Back. yeah. Awesome, uh, cool. General. I think it was just in, in general. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So, so with that being said, and it's a it's a it's a good question. A lot of people get con um, a little uh, I don't want to say confused, but but they're kind of they're covered simultaneously, but then they're also talked about differently and that type of thing. The important thing to keep in mind is is when it comes to vSAN and vVols, vSAN and vVols are really built around storage policies, right? And and so many people know me well enough to know that, that it's SPBM, SPBM, SPBM. To me, this it's the best thing since sliced bread when it comes to, to storage and VMware. Now, that's not just vSAN, and it's not just vVols. It's a combination of both, right? So important thing to keep in mind is, and if you notice, I've got these policies here, vSAN def def uh, default storage, vVol no requirements, and we've got this new one that was brought in, in vSphere 6.5, VM encryption. I'd love to show you that, but I don't have that set up yet. Important thing to keep in mind when it comes to policies, okay? When it comes to the policies, and I'm just going to make a, just a, I'll say new storage policy there, and then I have rules that I can, that I can apply. Common rules are kind of at a different level, but this rule set one is, is kind of the important part. If we notice the provider here is vSAN, 
and the re I'll, I'll show you in a minute why we don't have vVols, but the provider is vSAN in this particular case. And then what we can do is, is we can choose different rules based on, uh, you know, what our, what our particular uh, implementation has the capability of, of satisfying, right, as far as that goes. Um, so I just grabbed a few here, number of disk stripes for object one, uh, flash read res cache reservation, fault tolerance. Uh, I probably need to put a number of failures to tolerate in this particular um, in this particular rule. This is going to tell us mirroring or uh, if we've got RAID 5, RAID 6, it'll say user ratio coding, that type of thing, right? Now where VVOLs are a little bit different than vSAN is the rules that we see here with vSAN are particular to the vSAN, I'll say storage mechanism and construct, if you will. Whereas VVOLs, VVOLs are a combination of uh, the VASA provider and protocol endpoints and things like that, but the rules are, are entirely determined by what type of storage and storage is underneath. So like if, if you have a solid fire array, they're really, really good when it comes to, um, you know, to QoS. So you may have just significant levels of granular QoS within the VVOL rule set for that particular array. If you have, let's say, an, uh, you know, an um, uh, EMC VMAX, where you have just, just massive levels of different pieces that you can choose, you know, regarding uh, stripe width and mirroring, you know, whatever. What, whatever rule that, that the underlying storage can provide is then exposed up through VASA, and then with VVOLs, you can then leverage those rules. So you can you can basically say I want to tag this VM to have this particular type of policy applied to it, and as a result, within that particular array, that that VM will storage-wise will have the characteristics changed. Or if you go to move that VM to let's say an alternate you know, provider, let's say you've got some SolidFire, some Dell EMC. Um, uh, you know, VMAX, you've got some NetApp, you've got some Nimble, whatever, you know, whatever you have in all those different spaces. If they've got VVOL support and we have a common set of, of uh, rules, then we can move things between them very, very easily depending on the policy that we assign. But if we have, let's say, a particular replication rule that's only available in this one particular array, I can't ever move that to a different type of storage because that other storage doesn't satisfy that policy. So that's kind of where SPBM comes in. Uh, vSAN, very, very similar to VVOLs as far as the rules side of things, side of things, but the way we handle data layout and that type of stuff is, is a bit different. And, and VVOLs themselves natively are gonna have a different way of handling data movement within an array depending on the array vendor. All right, I hope that kind of gave it up. I mean, a little ambiguous, but when you've got so many players, it's kind of hard to, to get really, really detailed. Now, I'll show you in just a second why I don't have any VVOLs policies listed. And if I go and I look at uh, hosting clusters, and I look at storage, and then I go and I look at my, my vCenter, I'm not going to look at, at my, my, um, uh, my data centers, but my vCenter itself, Right, and if I go to, I'm having to do this from memory, so bear with me because I don't go here often. Yeah, here we go. So I go to configure and I look at storage providers. And my two node config that I have here, 
we're going to see vSAN storage providers. There we go, once it's populated. So I've got my vSAN storage providers from host one and host two. But then notice I also have the IO filter driver, or uh, um, provider rather, not driver. Okay, and that IO filter is something that's native to uh, to vSphere since uh, I forget which which release of six we uh, we introduced that you know some things like recover point for v for virtual machines um, you know that that's a, a a replication utility or a replication tool that supports using IO filter as a storage provider um, SanDisk I think has has a, uh, a cache acceleration module that uses the I/O filter and that type of thing. Important thing to keep in mind though is is more rules would have shown up for me if I had a vVol uh, enabled array connected to this cluster. So hopefully that kind of kind of wraps that up. Now I, I want to press on and uh, and go over. Go ahead, go ahead. You're about to say. I was going to say, I've got, sorry about that. I've got one more quick question um, just regarding uh, other storage providers. And you talked briefly sure. on iSCSI. Do you have a list of partners that work with that? For example, somebody's asking about uh, our company uses Nimble. Does vSAN play nice with Nimble? Is there a list somewhere of uh, storage companies I'll be honest that with you, you work with? I'm um, if you go look at the, at the, at the, uh, the vSphere HCL, if you go to like the HCL page, and, I, and I've got this little Go to meeting in a way, but if you go to um, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can send the link in the chat, and you can you can uh, power yeah. through. Yeah, well, I'm I'm just going to show where it is real quick. It's it's not going to take long, so uh, hopefully. Um, but when you when you go here and you say okay, systems and servers. Um, if you'll notice, there's a virtual volumes. Well, that's virtual volumes horizon. Whoops. Uh, I can't see because of the go to meeting thing. There we go. Um, but if 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 you go here, you should see. And I always forget where to find it. So like here's virtual sand, and, I, and my screen's probably hiding it. There's going to be a list of which I forget which one it is. Vvols, these are APIs for virtual volumes, right? So if you want to find out specifically, if let's say Nimble, right? Uh, Nimble, and I'll just say you know all. We won't worry about anything beyond that. And hit, hit filter, and it'll tell me that uh, the Nimble storage uh, boss provider. You can download the link, and it's supported with these builds. Right, so that's I mean that's pretty much it in a nutshell as far as that goes. And as you can see, we've got quite a few partners here. Right, Dell, EMC, HPE, Hitachi, Huawei, NEC, NetApp, Pivot3, Tintree. You know, a lot of good players here, a lot of good partners. Again, the thing I like the most about storage policy-based management is because I can go and I can look at an individual VM, you know, whether it's vVols or vSAN, it really doesn't matter. And I can go and I can take this CRM server, for instance, and I can go and I can choose a policy for that particular VM. And this is, to me, the killer part, right? Because I always hated being the guy that had to deploy LUNs. But I can choose different policies for different parts of my VM. And if I have multiple disks on my VM, of course it's throwing an error because I don't have anything vVols, but um, 
But if I have like three disks, uh, C drive, hard disk one, D drive, hard disk two, and an E drive, hard disk three, I can apply completely different policies for performance, replication, availability, those types of things. To me, this is the absolute best part of vSphere storage today. And I'm not saying vSAN, I'm saying SPBM with vSAN and vVols is the the, the best thing since sliced bread. And I used to, I managed storage for about 10 years uh, as a customer. This is my favorite part because I can individually tune, change policies. I can change policies using an, using an API call or a power CLI script. Boom. It makes it easy. It makes it, makes it sweet. So um, I highly recommend, you know, if you want to uh, become familiar with that, I highly recommend getting to know that. Now, uh, I think we got about, about, a little bit more than 15 minutes or so, and I want to make sure I've got some time for, time for the next piece, but um, or the next two pieces, rather. As you can see, I've got two slides to go. We did add uh, support for uh, NVMe and vSAN 6.5. We also added support for 512E drives. Now, 512E drives, um, it's not anything that we really did particularly. It was really more of what vSphere did because when it comes to recognizing local drives, that's really kind of kind of the work that's work that they have to do, and then we kind of pick it up from there, right? So it's not really anything vSAN added. It's more of vSphere, what vSphere added as far as that goes. Um, here, are the latest networking technologies, like 100 gigabits. I mean, we're seeing people talking about 25, 50. We've heard people talking about 40, and now 100 gigabits. So support for for those technologies now as we use more and more, um, or as we do more and more, let's say, in the HCI space with uh, with vSAN, or we do more and more with our partners that are connected via IP-based storage, whether they be NFS or iSCSI, you know, over IP-based uh, storage, these higher uh, performance speeds are going to give us, uh, you know, the capability of not really having to, to have any bottlenecks, if you will, going forward, at least not for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and the craziest part about this is, is I mean, I remember just, shoot, I don't know, it was about 10 years ago, I remember I had this NetApp that I had quad aggregated one gig mix on each, you know, on each filer head, you know, and an LACP, you know, um, you know, aggregate, or, you know, aggregate link, and I didn't even ever, I mean, I, I very seldom even saturated one gig of the four gig. So the only thing that I can think is the reason why we're supporting these much higher speeds are for things like like vSAN and, and who knows what, what is next, right, as far as that goes. All right, and then the last piece, which I do want to show you guys a little bit more, is uh, power CLI support. So I'm not sure how many people on the brown bag are, um, are power CLI you know, type folks that are power CLI centric, uh, but we've added a whole new set of functions specific to vSAN within Power CLI 6.5 release one. Uh, in fact, I've, I've got a couple scripts that I've created recently that I'll share, and this is actually in our uh, Wenatchee data center up in uh, Wenatchee, Washington. All right, so I am remoted here. Got a two-node cluster here. Got a little six. These are nested. I'll be honest. And I've got my actual physical cluster here, right? But if you notice, uh, if you're a GitHub person, you go there for any scripts. I've got a couple different repositories. Uh, this vSAN SC2N. A couple of these I finished up this week. One's called vSAN Witness Deploy. One's called vSAN Witness Replace. 
and I can connect to uh, see if I can deploy a witness real quick. Really doesn't take any long at all. Functionality to, sorry, any additional functionality to PowerCLI always makes me happy. Love it. Oh, I, oh. Well, so yeah, it's funny. One of our one of our big retail customers that's it's in the process of deploying um, uh, some you know two node to some of their stores. Um, oh, one second, I gotta I gotta think it at the same time. Uh, uh, that's deploying vSAN to their stores. You know, they're like, well, hey, wait a minute. You know, we're interested. Oh, come on. VCSA.vcorp.com. That's it. I can't type and talk at the same time. I apologize. And I think I've got something wrong with my keyboard, too. Oh, that's not right. I have no Can idea. Can I try to log back on again? Well, I just did that, right? <laughs> but, so, well, so, so let me kind of, let me kind of, Dive down into the code real quick, and I and I really wanted to show it, but uh, basically like this first one, and this is kind of what I pointed him at vSAN witness replace. One of the things that we we often run into is a customer will say, "Well, I've got a two-node vSAN over here, and I'll, I'll just show this guy again. I've got a two-node vSAN, and my witness is gone. It's been destroyed. It's you know I'm offline, whatever, so on and so forth. You know that type of thing. Um, I could have a witness running somewhere else." And with this particular this particular script, um, and I'll, I'll point out the piece that's kind of the most important, right? Is the fact that I can uh, this particular command right here, right? Okay, right here I'm, I'm actually I'm dis or unconfiguring stretch clusters, and then here I'm reconfiguring stretch clusters, and it's it's there we go. And I'm saying this is the fault domain I want to use. This is the name of the host I want to use, and I'm just pointing at it to like you know like it's another host. And I'm specifying which disks I'm going to use for my cache device and my capacity device. All right, I promise you, I'm going to try this again. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, I know what the problem is. Dead gummit. And Pete Fletcher, if you hear this, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you. P. Fletch is one of my teammates, and he had me messing around with my DNS uh, a little bit earlier today, and that's what the problem is. So why uh, DNS? Yeah, and I, I've tweeted that a couple of times, right? But but uh, Pedro Arrow, I'm out for you, man. You messed me up. So uh, so V Corp's my little test server. See if we get some magic here on this time around. <sighs> Try some good old-fashioned. All right, let's try it again. There we go. Would you, would you say then it's a network issue and not a VMware issue? <laughs> well, it's a Pete Fletcher issue. So I have to keep calling Pete out, right? All right, so now I'm logged in, right? So... I've got. Uh, I can say. Well, let me let me deploy a new one first. So let me say vsan dash witness deploy, right? And I think I've got it set up to deploy witness number three, but we'll find out in just a moment. 
Right, so if you notice back on my cluster, and oh yeah, witness four already exists. So we'll just go and we'll kill that guy. We'll power him off. Uh, power. It's not what I want to do. I want to get him up here. Rather than me going and changing my code out, I'll just kill it here, right? So. And I, I was wondering whether or not I was going to actually do a live demo, and I said, well, you know, why not? So I think there's a, a lot more fun when you do a live demo than, than when you uh, than when you just have click-through slides and that kind of thing, because so, you never can tell what's going to happen, like today. All right, here we go. Yeah, plus, you always learn a little bit more. I do. Going into a broken environment or something's, you know, something's wrong, it always makes you think that extra step. Yep. Yep. Okay. So this particular script, I'm not asking for any parameters or anything like that. If you notice, um, of course, this witness four is probably going to take a minute to get rid of it, but and it, which may cause my script to fail, right? Because it hasn't disappeared yet. But notice that this VM is powered on or is uh, connected. It's powered on. I'm doing a little trickery to look for the tools. Keep in mind, like if you look at William Lamb's um, ES, nested ESXi appliance that we've got that is not really supported, it has the capability of running, um, uh, you can imp input as far as the configuration parameters, your IP addresses. Our vSAN witness, you cannot do that today. We've asked for that as an enhancement, but you can't do it today. So what I'm doing here is I'm actually deploying this witness using the import uh, vAP uh, v commandlet and then I'm powering, powering it on. Once, it's on. once it's on, I'm waiting for the tools to start running. Once the tools start running, I then go and use an invoke VM script to go and assign the IP addresses for the, uh, the VMK0 and VMK1 interfaces. And I can even add static routes, which are one of the requirements sometimes when it comes to, uh, to the witnesses, right? Uh, and this takes just a minute. So, uh, I mean, I'm not gonna not gonna hang around for it, but important thing to keep, and we'll come back to it. But important thing to keep in mind is 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 we can very easily, with some modification of these scripts at scale, deploy um, you know vSpan, whether it be two node or or a stretch cluster or or whatnot. Now, um, if you haven't looked at these particular um, if you haven't looked at these particular commandlets. I highly recommend that you take a look. And the easiest way to see them is to do a git dash command. And if you just do an asterisk, vsan, close asterisk, you'll see some of those that have already been there and some of those that are new. Now, one that I really like is test vsan cluster health. I was working on that one a little bit earlier today. And where this is a very, very useful one, like this customer that I was working with was was in the process of doing an automated deployment script. They took some of my code for some of that, uh, some of the things they're doing. They had some of their own code for the other. But anytime you go into a deployment, you kind of want to see what the health is of something after you deploy it, right? So if we uh, uh, if we connect to our v uh, actually see if this other guy is free now. Nope, not yet. All right. Oh, and I'm even checking to make sure that the name that I pass and the DNS name matches uh, here, using old old um, function there. But but notice setting up NTP and everything, right? So it's it's the whole shebang as far as deploying the witness. Now, 
if I say, let me go and get um, uh, the SAN cluster health equals, and what's the command? Put this guy over here. And I say uh, git, or I'm sorry, it's actually before I do that, let's go and let's do a test dash vsan cluster health. Let's see, I gotta get the cluster first, sorry. Uh, cluster equals git cluster. It's by WVC. Okay, here we go. Let's try this again. Okay, so initially with this, you're only going to see a little bit of information, but you can dive deep, deep, deep into it within PowerCLI, and you can do your own reporting independent of the vSAN uh, health service. It's going to in essentially invoke it, but you don't have to log into the console. Now, notice this is just high-level cluster, when it happened, and what's the overall status. So if we go and we, we pipe this, get a, a few more properties, then we can see some additional settings. And I'm actually going to make this a little bit bigger while we're doing that. And this takes a little bit. Now, the interesting thing is, is we can also use a command called uh, dash use cache. I think that's the syntax on it, where we can pull the information from the last time we ran the test as opposed to running the test again. Right? So if we want to do multiple tests or do multiple uh, data manipulation, Without having to run the test multiple times, and we just use a use the use cache, and it saves us some 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 cycles as far as that goes. But notice things like disk balance. Notice things like HCL info, uh, info um, you know, limit health, network health, so on and so forth. Let's dive into one of these, right? So if I say uh, vSAN cluster health equals git. Oh wait, wait, wait I'm sorry. Okay, it'll take it a second, just about as long as we did just a moment ago, uh, unless I had used the, the dash use cache. But notice most of these little items here, right, like this HEO uh, result IMP and vSAN host disk, you know, these aren't really readable to us. But notice if I say vSAN cluster health dot disk balance. I can see my disk balance, and I can put that in a PowerCLI function to enumerate each of those, right? I can say, um, I can say network health. I can go even further here. If you notice network health, let's say network partition, right? This one right here, that looks like I can go further. And I see in one partition, I've got all these hosts. So this gives us the capability with PowerCLI to, if we're performing functions such as adding a host to, um, to vSAN, if we're performing functions like, uh, let's say, a disk rebalance, we can go and report on that after the fact. I can see that, that as far as our network health goes, uh, I have no issues, right? It's false. My large ping test, hey, looks good. Matching submits, all this looks good. I can say host result. I see my hosts, no issues, 
right? So this stuff previously was a lot harder to get to uh, with vSAN. We had to had to, to you know do some really really you know I'll say difficult and sometimes custom code kind of fronted by by PowerCLI to be able to make some of these things happen. And this is to me this is one of the most exciting pieces of vSAN specifically is the fact that that I can go and I can replace a witness all programmatically with PowerCLI. Right? If I go and I um I look at, at some of my settings over here, you know, I can go and I can um like here's another one. This is not particular to some of the new things, but I can go and I can set swap uh swap files to thin on vSAN, right? So so all these individual pieces that before really took a lot of custom code and Python and 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 whatnot. If you're like me, I mean, I grew up IT-wise, you know, managing Windows 3.1 back in the day, and you know, Windows is pretty you know easy to to run around and easy to manage. When PowerShell or PowerShell came out, and subsequently PowerCLI came out, it was a, just a really good fit. It's easy to see, it's easy to read, and now that we've extended all of these capabilities from vSAN via the vSAN management API up into PowerCLI, we can leverage all of the existing work that we've done previously with vSphere PowerCLI scripts in conjunction with uh, with vSAN and get the best of both worlds as far as overall management. Uh, I will say that I do plan on putting together some uh, quick management scripts, quick reporting scripts. I'm, I may even try to get something rolled into uh, Alan Riff's, uh daily reporting script as far as that goes. So right. A question, um, actually, for myself, is there mm -hmm. a reference to the objects and what they will um, come back with using that um, when we check the vSAN cluster health to enable us to build our own scripts easy enough? So we have a, we already know the objects um, and what they're going to what we should expect them to contain. So the so the same um, admin guide that we have, you know the the. Um, uh, and I forget the URL right off the top of my, my head, but the same PowerCLI documentation that shows what the possible values are for Git VM host network adapter and so on also have these functions in there as well, provided it's 6.5 release one. So you'll be able to drill down into each of each one of these commandlets and see those individual pieces specific to the, what you can pull from them. Uh, right, to a point now, I don't, I don't know how how I don't know if we're necessarily enumerating network partition, but I think that it goes pretty deep. Um, I unfortunately haven't been able to go really deep on it yet myself. Um, but if you know if you look at some of the some of the things we can do, creating fault domains, this is something right here, if you automate a two node deployment script, you would go and you would make sure that you've got two nodes ready to go. Um, you would do a uh, you know um, set vSAN fault domain, you make your two fault domains after you do your, your two fault domains, then you would do a set vSAN cluster configuration. That's literally what I'm doing in this script over here um, on SC2N, right? Under the replace. And I wish wish this, this wasn't so bright, but basically what I'm doing is, in this particular script, this is just GitHub slash Jason McCarty. But what I'm doing here, if you'll notice, and it's important to remember when it comes to deploying a witness with two node or stretch clusters, if we just kill the witness and that witness just happens to come back later after we've already replaced it, we can't really ever use that again until we do a little bit of maintenance on the on the partitions on that um, you know on the, the what was the cache drive and what was the capacity drive. What I'm actually doing it here is like I'm looking to see if the the witness is there. If it's not, then I'm going to say you need to deploy one. 
Uh, I'm going to go and look at the existing cluster and say, hey, look, um, you know, I want to you know check the witnesses, make sure they're connected, and make sure the hosts are, are you know not in maintenance mode. Uh, I want to get the disk group, and then I want to remove the disk group before I get rid of that witness. So if I go to do a witness replacement, I'm going to basically clean that witness up so I can use it again. And then once I've removed that, right? And and the reason I'm doing a uh, basically a try here, a try and catch, is because if the witness is not around, then I want to or or not really a try and catch. That's further up. But I'm I'm making sure that it's connected because if it's connected, then I want to try to remove that cleanly. If it's not in a particular case where. Um, you know, let's say something happened and the witness was just lost, completely lost, then I'm not going to worry about trying to clean that, that disk group up, right? Then I go programmatically and say, hey, this vSAN cluster configuration is not a two-node anymore using this witness. And then it's kind of in a quasi, you know, quasi, hey, I'm just a two-node and I'm missing a third fault domain at this case. But then right behind it, I'm saying, hey, I'm going to add the new witness, and then I'm going to say I want to use this fault domain as the preferred, and I want to use this as my new witness, and then here's the, here are the drives I want to use. So literally just in the course of a few seconds, I'm replacing that witness. Whereas if I do that manually, I've got to, I've got to uh, actually, and where is it? All right, I've got to come over here. And I've got to go and I've got to say, uh, I'm sorry, it's right there. I've got to go and say, oh, come on. I've got to say disable, then I've got to say enable, and I've got to point a new witness, then I've got to select my fault domains, and blah, 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 right? I mean, it's, it, it takes a few minutes. I actually, through this replacement script, can swap a witness out in a matter of about five seconds. Right? It's really not long at all, and that's that that you know uh, shortens that gap where I've you know I've got a, 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 a an environment that is not compliant with the rules that I've chosen. Right, my FTT one over over two net or stretch clusters. Right. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of the I guess the the big wrap. I know it's a it, it wasn't a lot, but it was a lot at the same time. Um, you know the uh, and let me go find that other slide. Let's see where it is real quick. Right, oop, one too many. Right, so iSCSI access, like I said, we covered it very briefly. Um, I, I didn't want to go into all the failover scenarios specific to iSCSI because I didn't want to go down that, that hole, and it's really kind of a, I don't want to say a limited use case, but we don't see a lot of customers implementing it necessarily. Uh, I think two-node direct connect is huge, you know, especially for, for customers that have large environments they want to deploy to, uh, you know, like large retail stores, let's say hospitals with multiple remote clinics, things like that. I think more importantly, though, from a home lab perspective, I think two-node direct connect is really awesome. Uh, I'm using two nodes, uh, the two nodes that you guys uh, see right here. They're like five years old. Right? They're five-year-old. Um, I bought them in like 2011. The only thing I did to them was add drives that, that were supported by vSAN and a controller supported by vSAN, and then I added 10 gig NICs. That's all I did. And I've got all flash. 10 gig connectivity between the two hosts, and I didn't have to fork out, you know, 800 or more, you know, for a, for a 10 gig switch, right? So that's to me that's huge. That's very very huge. 
And then, you know, I think it demonstrated some of the management specific to Power CLI, some of the new benefits that we have specific to, um, you know, enumerating and being able to, to really orchestrate and automate via the Power CLI method, uh, you know, your environment, right? So um, do we have any, uh, let's see, I'm looking for the, the chat window. Do we have any more questions, anything that I might have missed or? Uh, nothing else that I see right now. I posted a link to uh, your GitHub repo on the chat window, so anybody watching, um, Jace McCarty slash vsan, S-C-Q-N. Um, so you should be able so to I click on that and get to it. Go ahead. I'm just saying git command. Uh, I didn't. Uh, that was a new one. I didn't. I didn't realize you didn't have the, the git command. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like that I, I customer today. Get... Yeah, yeah. He, this customer today, he's like, hey, do you, you know, can you tell me how I can pull the health? I mean, the stuff that we just went through. He said, hey, do you know I can get health via Power CLI? I'm over here in the Ruby console doing all this kind of, you know, rigmarole. And uh, I said, uh, yeah, try test vSAN health. And he tried git dash v san asterisk. He didn't, you know, he didn't do an asterisk v san asterisk. And then I showed him the git command, right? Uh, or yeah, git command. Um, so yeah, I was doing Power PowerShell back in the 1.0 days. So I just kind of put it down for a while, and since I've been here, I picked it back up. Uh, it's probably one of the best things uh, I enjoy about this job is being able to write write code. Those two scripts that I showed you guys, the replace witness and deploy witness script, those two scripts, I um, uh, had a customer, had an internal uh, uh, request for, uh, somebody said, hey, look, you know, I got a customer that's got 80 witnesses that they need to be able to re replace very, very quickly. How do they go about doing that, right? And I just want to show you guys that, that um, this particular VM, and like I said, we don't expose a lot of stuff on it, but if you look at the VM kernel adapters here, you'll see that I set the IP address on, on both of these guys. And if you look at the, the default TCP IP configuration, I set uh, preferred DNS, I set uh, additional additional static routes. I mean, all this stuff can be done via PowerCLI. The great thing is, is being able to use all the stuff we've been doing for so long on vSphere and on Vue and some of the other you know products that we have. Now we can also incorporate vSAN into the mix. So I'm I'm happy as a clam, right? As far as that goes. Great, awesome info. So, any other questions that anybody's got? Um, what we can do is stop the recording here, Jace, if if you're finished, and then if anybody's got more questions, we can uh, they can do their raise their hand and unmute them if they if they want if if you've got some time yet. Sure, sure. Now, one thing I want to say before you awesome. stop the recording: that's two brown bags mm -hmm. and two live demos. Bam. <laughs> successful. I would call this absolutely successful. Thank you very much. Other than the DNS issue that Pete Fletcher caused. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've we've had we've had some demos that, you know, don't fly at all. There was a an entire presentation that was a demo and the demo was broken, so we kinda improvised the whole thing in the past. So no, this is awesome. Um well, Deploying this so, witness right here, I mean, I've, I spent probably three days on that. I mean, getting all this networking right, that type of thing. Now, you know, and and the scripts that I you know, that I've written are, you know, you know, you need to test them, that type of thing. But it's it's a good foundation showing you what you can do with uh, with Power CLI. 
Awesome. So if there's no questions after the recording, what I'm going to do is go ahead and stop. So thank everybody for joining tonight. You can find us later on YouTube and iTunes. Um, it's free. Watch and learn. All the good stuff. Brett, anything else you want to add? No, I'm all, all good. It's excellent presentation right, and yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Much appreciated. Good, good.